Hi, and welcome to Apple Jam, a place where my friend Neil McCutcheon and myself, Bernardo Morales, discuss Beatles and Beatle-related records. These conversations are hosted in Clubhouse, where we meet every two weeks to discuss an album. We'd like to invite you to join the Apple Jam Club in Clubhouse and to follow us on Instagram. Now, without any further ado, here's the episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to uh, the second um, episode, the second part of discussing Let It Be with me and Bernardo Morales. We met a few years ago now in Budapest. We were teaching English and we had a mutual love of the Beatles. Um, and every week we discuss a different album or uh, you know, Beatles-related uh, material, Beatles albums, solo albums. And we were just, before we came on air, talking about the Let It Be, um, sorry, the Get Back TV special. What did you think of it? <laughs> well, I'm, I don't want to say much about the special because, I mean, the first episode was released yesterday. Um, mm -hmm. uh, so I watched it last night. Um, I tell you, my wife, it was it was crazy because I said, oh, the new special has just been released. Um, yeah. I'll watch it tonight. And she said, oh, great. Um, how, is it very long? And I said, it's, it's three hours. She said, oh, so they released like 45-minute episodes. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> She must have fallen off her chair. <laughs> you should Did she fall off her chair? I mean, <laughs> she was like, right. Did you subject um, her to it? I did. I did. I have to say that I did. Um, and yeah, all, all, all the two, I think, two and a half hours um, <laughs> in one go. I, I, you know, I kind of feel for her because. When I read that review in The Guardian, I mean, The Guardian, I don't know who the writer was, but they didn't give it a glowing review, to be fair. And, you know, I just think, well, you either get it or you don't get it. Because I think a lot of uh, Beatles fans, it's partly to do with the story. I mean, obviously, the music's great. But, um, you know, we know, we kind of know the story we know the end of the story um but we don't know the bits in the middle and these are kind of empty spaces and some of the things that i've read that you can see on this documentary are just you know fascinating things like uh for example john and paul talking um when they think they're off camera about how they haven't been involving george enough and so on and you know because of that problem, because of him leaving and everything. It's that kind of personal drama. That's what we're in it for, you know. So I think fans of rock music in general wouldn't sort of get it and they would think, wow, it's really rambling. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, there are a couple of things. Um, I mean, to start with, it's like a kind of old-fashioned reality show, if you if you know. Yeah. Because in the end, they're really documenting absolutely everything they did in a time period. So, so it, it's a reality show in that sense, um, and it's got kind of reality show kind of elements in it as well. I mean, there's a bit of drama. There is uh, mm -hmm. there are interesting things happening and stuff. And but just going back to what you were saying before um, about the review, and and I think it was a three star review, um, and it said that it was just like too long and there were too many versions of "Don't Let Me Down." Um, yeah, yeah, I think. And then, then I was thinking, like, okay, as a Beatles fan, for me, it's amazing that I get to watch eight hours of the Beatles just hanging out in the studio and developing an album from the beginning to the end. 
Um, so for me as a fan, it's a, it's a lot of fun to see it. But I can't really imagine myself watching the same kind of thing w with another band. With Kiss? With Kiss, for example. I mean, <laughs> or, or Aerosmith or the Rolling yeah. Stones even. Um, I yeah. can't really see myself kind of going through eight hours. Like, I would happily watch a three, four-hour documentary but um, but about the, the whole career of, um, of... Like, I watched very recently, I don't know if you, if you saw it, on Netflix, um, the Elvis Presley documentary. Oh, no, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it's called The Searcher. And, <laughs> and it's about, I think, altogether, it's, it's two episodes, and altogether it's about four hours, and, 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 I, and I absolutely loved it. It made me kind of rediscover Elvis as well. Yeah. But I don't know if I'd be able to watch an eight-hour documentary about how Elvis recorded an album, you know? No. I mean, even the, the bands I'm into most, I guess, personality-wise, I think, uh, I suppose, Pink Floyd would be almost as fascinating as the Beatles, but I don't think I could watch eight hours of them hanging out in a studio making Amagama or something like that. No, I'd have to watch, I'd watch it on Fast Forward, you know. Exactly. You'd probably go and watch the best bits. And yeah. it, it's kind of, that's exactly what happens with the documentary. But and at the same time, I noticed Disney is heavily promoting it. It's the biggest mm -hmm. bits of Disney Plus um, for, for this kind of period, for the Thanksgiving period. In yeah. The US, which I think, I'm, I'm not too sure, I'm not an expert on, on, on marketing in America, but I think it's a big period, right? Well, I mean... Um, I think there were more Beatles fans stateside, and I think there were more Beatles fanatics stateside. Um, and and I, I, you know, because I used to like, uh, you know, the Dead and Jam bands and uh, so on, and you know, um, FM radio. I just think uh, this is a generalization, but I think Americans have got more patience for things that are long. You know, because if you're if you're a Brit. You know, and you're listening to a track, it's got to be all over in three minutes and, you know, and, and no jamming, you know. But I think Americans are more likely to sort of kick back and enjoy it <laughs> with or without their wives. Bernardo, you know. <laughs> enjoy it. 15 minute version of with a seven minute solo. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and that's short. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing it. I haven't seen any of it, but I've seen the clips. And I have to say, I mean, we'll move on to the album in a minute. But I have to say that the um, this bit where John lunges, kind of lunges for the others and goes for a big hug, I think this is just immediately after uh, George has left on January the 10th or something. That's pretty moving, really. And I think there's going to be a lot of stuff like that. And, and I like the fact that he's the, the one who's being vulnerable. He's the one that goes for the hug and everything. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, as I said, I don't want to give give away too much from what I saw. Because um, mm -hmm. if you haven't seen it, um, I'd like you to enjoy it. So yeah. I don't want to give too many spoilers. Um, but but yes, there, there are bits that are very interesting in, 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 in the documentary. And you can see, John, you can see that a lot of preconceptions that you might have had um, about how this album was made were not probably right. Interesting. So, so yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I mean, well, um, when, when yeah. I was a, a teenager, when I was living in Costa Rica, I really wanted to watch Let It Be, the film. Mm -hmm. And it was impossible to get a, to get a, a, a copy of it because it was never, yeah. it was released on, it was never released on DVD for sure. And I think it was only released on Laserdisc and VHS. Um, so I managed to get a copy. I don't know if you remember this very old piece of uh, software called Real Audio. 
like a no. real, real player. And I got this very, very low quality version of it. And I think because I downloaded it on dial-up internet, um, it took me ages to, to <laughs> download the whole thing. And I think Eight hours? It's something crazy. And then like at 98%, um, someone picked up the phone and I disconnected from the internet. And I, and I, so I only had 90%. <laughs> which meant That's that you couldn't fast forward. You couldn't fast forward. Um, you, yeah. you watched it. You had to watch it all the way through. So whenever <laughs> I wanted to watch the rooftop concert, um, I had to watch the whole thing. <laughs> wow. Okay. So you must know that film pretty well. I know the film very well. The thing is, I, it was my dream to have it on DVD when I was a teenager. Um, so now wow. that um, they released this really, really long version of it, it's, it's it's everything I ever wanted and more. Well, I think what we can hope for probably in the Get Back set, I mean, people have been fantasizing about this, but I think the fantasy set is the Peter Jackson film uh, the Let It Be film and the rooftop concert in full. Yeah. What I read, um, I think I sent you this article last week. Um, I read that they're going to release um, a Blu-ray of this documentary with another eight hours of extra content. Um, and yes, you heard that right. Another eight hours. Yep. Extra wow. <laughs> um, Amazing. There, there is going to be a separate re-release of Let It Be. Okay, separate. All right. And they'll have to put the rooftop concert on there somewhere. And then maybe they should have a, well, I guess they can't, the CD of the, the Get Back album is out now. you know. So um, yeah. that won't be part of it. Hmm. Yes, I'm not going to get that. I can tell you about the film. It was really funny to see Glyn Johns young. I don't know what, I don't know what he looks like. I've never oh. seen Glyn Johns. Nope. Oh, well. Um, it's I've seen pictures of him like as a producer and he looks like a, like an older guy and it was really funny to see him kind of with a beetle haircut and and like in his mid twenties so it was, it was it was quite interesting. Okay, I heard John calling him Glynis. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but anyway. So um, yeah, we discussed a, a bunch of the songs um, in the last episode. That's right, about half like, of them. Yeah, there were a few that we didn't have time to cover. Uh, mm -hmm. So where would you like to start? Um, well, we could start with two of us because we, no, sorry, uh, Dig a Pony because we didn't oh. discuss that last time. No, we didn't. What do you think of that one? Um, it's not one of my favorite tracks on the album, I have to say. Um, I like the intro, um, but I don't know. It's, it's never been, it's, it's, it's one that I very often skip. Mm -hmm. How about you? Oh, I never, I never skip it. Um, yeah, it's not it's not the best. Um, I think John Lennon said at some point it was, you know, load, a load of rubbish. <laughs> it, it's the it was the first, the only new John Lennon song on the LP because "Don't Let Me Down" didn't make the LP. Um, True, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. The only new. Um, I I kind of I like the sound, and I think this is the kind of. I think this is the sound that a 70s Beatles would have had. I like that kind of wide sound. I like that you complemented by the keyboards. It's, you know, it, it, it's good. There's a, it's got a lot going for it. Um, the drums are really good. Ringo's really, really good. He's excellent. Um, uh, yeah. Very much as well. I think that's my favorite part of the dun, dun, dun. Like, I'm, I'm going to play it, okay? Yes, go on. If, if, if the volume is too high, let me know. Okay. Oh, 
So that intro bit I really like with the with the kind of uh, tom toms and, and the bass drum it sounds really cool. Yeah, that's lovely. And and the bass part is really there's a lot of movement in the bass all the way through. So you know that I think you know they've obviously really worked hard on it. They're quite into it. it I guess it's not the best song, but they put a lot into it. They did. Is this a live take? I think so. Like I think uh, Ringo was either smoking or blowing his nose at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the? Do you remember the bit where this comes in in the Imagine film? I can't remember if it is the Imagine film or Give Me Some Truth because I mixed them up. Mm-hmm. Probably Give Me Some Truth, where that fan gets over the wall. Like this, uh, he's a Dutch fan or a Scandinavian fan. Anyway, he's really strung out. And he and he's just he's asking John about the lyrics, you know, because he's really, you know, he's trying to work out what they mean. And John just says something like, "I just make it up as I go along." <laughs> I remember that bit, yeah. Yeah, I remember the guy who gets into the kitchen that. and he's kind of dazed. Yeah, he's he's a bit. He looks a bit homeless. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then he said, "Like, what were you thinking when you wrote Carry That Weight'?" And then he was mm-hmm. like, uh, um, it was Paul who wrote it, not me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, the uh, the lyrics just sound like him um, playing with playing with sound, playing that rhythm. You know, you can syndicate any boat you row, um, just uh, stringing phrases together in, in a sort of more aimless way than normal. Mm-hmm. But it kind of works. It kind of works. I always thought John Lennon was very good at writing kind of nonsense lyrics. Um, and and yeah, so I think I think this is one of kind of one of those songs. Yeah, but it's not it's not at the level of Iron the Wall with like nonsense mm-hmm. lyrics or something. It's kind of um, a little bit less effort went into them, but it's alright. But I don't skip. And George's anyway, guitar but... is really good as well. His little kind of guitar parts in in well all throughout the song they're they're, they're cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but as you said, not mm. not the greatest song on the album by any means. No. But they're obviously enjoying it. And I think it's the rooftop one that makes it onto the album because they're saying that, you know, their hands are cold and stuff, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which is very interesting um, because I feel that the performance is very solid. And and if you think about have have you seen the concert in its entirety? On the rooftop? No. No, I haven't. Only the bits on the on the anthology? Yeah, just bits here and there. Right. Um, I've only seen the, the well, on, from my old kind of Lady B film and the bits on the anthology. Mm-hmm. And it was a very solid performance. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm getting that impression now. But they did some songs twice, like Don't Let Me Down, right? Yes, and Get Back. And I think I think a few of the songs were, were done twice. I don't know whether there were any songs that didn't make the film, like that they, that they played and then they just um, totally cut out. Um, I'm not sure. Mm. But I always thought, like, like looking at the gear that they had, like they didn't have any pedals and they didn't have any effects and stuff, which is which is quite interesting. And it was still a very very solid performance. That's good to know, since it was their last gig together. I'm looking forward to seeing the whole thing. Yeah, or just the bits that are in the Let It Be film. Uh, I'm sorry, in the in the Get Back TV special, that'd be great to see them. Yeah, I kind of feel bad for Magda because right after we finished uh, recording today's episode, um, I'm going to watch the second part. <laughs> okay. Did you, did you actually subscribe to Disney? Um, I already had a subscription. Yeah. Okay. For your daughter. 
Um, actually, for you. we started in Spain. Um, they had a very good deal, and and a few of, of uh, a few people from work got together, and, and and we paid we paid for a whole. Oh, cool. Yeah, so that's good. So, what about um, what about uh, Don't Let Me Down? I know that didn't make the album, but it's very much part of that period. Um, now that's a very strong song, isn't it? That's a very raw song from the heart. Um, I think it's a very very it's, I think it's one of the best songs from, from the whole kind of project, from the whole um, Get Back project. It, right. It's definitely one of my favorite songs. Um, and for, for me, it's a mistake that I didn't make the album. I know that there'd be... I wonder why. I wonder why. I wonder why, yeah. I know that they Get Back was on the album. Exactly. And that's what I was just going to say, that they had this thing that singles wouldn't make the albums, but Get Back was on the album. The and this was the one that John turned up with on day one, right? It was, yeah. It was a, a very early song, and, and and they played it on the rooftop concert. It was very heavily featured on on, on the film, which is something very strange as well, because apparently "I'm Me Mine" wasn't supposed to be um, on the album, and it only made it to the album because it was heavily featured in the film. Yeah, I'm surprised that this didn't go on the album. I, I wonder whose decision that was. Yeah. So, and they did that with "I'm Me Mine." But Maxwell Silverhammer was also very heavily featured in, in, in Let It Be, and, and it wasn't even recorded until Abbey Road. One of the things about Don't Let Me Down, I was trying to look it up online, and um, I, I can't remember where I read this. I thought it was on that, you know, that article about 64 reasons to celebrate Paul McCartney, that wonderful article. Mm-hmm. I thought it was there. But anyway, it wasn't. I looked twice. But someone said, even though their relationship was was kind of um, crumbling a bit, or you know, it was getting close to the end, or sometimes they you know irritated each other. Um, the work that Paul put in here on the bass line, the kind of um, sort of the joy and exuberance in the bass line, on John's song about Yoko is just um, a testament to the friendship and how much Paul wished John well with Yoko and was happy that he'd met Yoko. I know John had all sorts of paranoia at this time about it, but Paul's work on this song is testament you know, to that very warm friendship and wishing his friend well. And I found that really moving. I just can't find the source of who said that. But it is lovely like the work in the middle eight is fantastic and i saw a little clip from um the get back um um tv special and uh it was just electrifying because i think it was paul and george doing harmonies um for the middle eight and it was just fantastic and i I can't believe they didn't leave them in but i suppose john wanted the song to to feel raw but but it was electrifying to hear those harmonies because they were beautiful yeah um and and i think you can hear more harmonies as well in the let it be naked version of of don't let me down than than you can in the single version i think Uh, there is one version in the in the new re-release which is the rooftop concert one and I think mm-hmm. that might be the one. Let me see if I can find it very quickly. Uh, the one on Let It Be Naked um, yeah. was apparently edited from the two on the rooftop. So it's an edit from yeah. a compilation, yeah. Yeah, I really like the intro where you have the you have the, um, the both Paul and John singing or John and Paul singing. I think I have it here. Just, just, just one second. Let me 
Let's see. Oops, sorry, no, clicked on the wrong thing. Yeah, let me find it again. just love those harmonies. Yeah, they're great. And the bass part as well is, is, is amazing. As you said, it, you can yeah. tell that, that, that Paul took it home and he, he just really worked hard. And the, the arrangement in that middle bit, you know, just yeah. lovely, uh, in, uh, fantastic sort of counter melody, beautiful. And, and that's what makes it difficult to cover, actually, because, I mean, if you play... The song, the it's only got about three chords, so it's quite easy to do that basic bit. But then, if you want to cover it properly, you've got to uh, have those melodic bits in the middle eight. Yeah, and they're, they're really hard to nail. Um, yeah, and also, you, it's, well, I would say it's impossible to nail Billy Preston's um, keyboard. Oh wow! Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah, fantastic. It really elevated um, this song, I think, the this, this keyboard part. Well, it's part of it. It's just become part of it. I mean, he should get a writing credit. Yeah, he should be called the... Probably he should be the one called the fifth Beatle. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe we shouldn't go there. <laughs> <laughs> so many, but... Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, the, his his part is so distinctive. He, I wonder how, how hard he had to work writing them or if he just sort of jammed with them. Apparently they were talking about Billy Preston even before like he turned up like they they were just talking about him I don't know if he'd had the invitation um you know because he doesn't turn up till towards the end of the sessions I think when they after they've moved to Apple mm -hmm. yeah yeah um I, I can't say much because there was a bit I saw about that in the film and I don't want to spoil it <laughs> okay and have you seen the harmonies for the middle eight bit yet because that was the bit I saw. It was just a little clip, and I just thought—they disappeared completely from the versions that we have. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of. Well, I think "Don't Let Me Down" is heavily featured in the film, um, or in the in the in the documentary. Yeah. And and there is a bit where they're practicing. Yeah, where they're doing kind of counter melodies um, to to "Don't Let Me Down," and, and as you said, it's very special. It's, it's beautiful. Fantastic. Um, Ian Ian McDonald said. Go on, go on. I, I'm not oh, sure yeah. I would have left it in the song um, because I mean they're they're very nice and it's lovely to see how the song developed from from yeah. bringing him bringing the song on guitar to them kind of developing the version that we that we're used to from from the single. Um, yeah, but but it was certainly and it was very interesting to see the Beatles trying out things because you never really think of them trying out things. You think that the songs are just as we know them. Um, so, so it was very good to see them kind of playing around. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, the anthology was where we started to learn about them trying out things. Anybody got a little money? Any, anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? Anybody got a bit of money? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, certain things needed dumping. Um, I'm just going to say that Ian McDonald said that this Don't Let Me Down is, um, in his opinion, the great uh, late Beatles song from John along with Come Together. Yeah, I was listening to the Eggpod um, episode on the Beatles singles. I can't remember who this mm -hmm. was. I don't know if you if you heard it. Um, uh, on the Beatles singles? No, I haven't heard that one yet. 
it was this um, box set of Beatles singles. Yes, that's right. A year ago, um, or two years ago, and something that that the, the, the uh, guest said was that it was a very it's a very cruel song, "Don't Let Me Down," because he says um, he talks about love, but he talks about his love for Yoko, and he mm -hmm. ignores um, his marriage with with Cynthia. So, looking at the song from that point of view, that it's a very cruel song for her. Um, yeah. Well, of course, yeah, absolutely. But, and it's oh, um, like she does that that line. So oh yeah, of course. I never thought about that, but you know, when you fall in love for the first time, or when you fall really in love, of course, it feels like that. It feels like a new experience. I mean, it's so it's so uh, soul bearing, and and the the amount of vulnerability in this song is just you know extraordinary, and you can. It's the start of that journey that led John to Plastic Ono Band, I suppose. Yeah, and I guess that if you're a songwriter, you can't think about um, whose feelings are going to get hurt. I don't. I don't think that he did it on purpose to hurt her, hurt her feelings anyway. Um, if anything, she was just collateral damage of this song. But um, but yeah, something like I said, and I thought it was it was interesting. <laughs> well, my my uh, fiance um, just mentioned. <laughs> To me recently, that one first time that we were together with the guitar, the first song that I wanted to play her was a song I'd written for a previous girlfriend. I just I had no idea, um, but it was just because it was a current song at the time, and I wasn't thinking, oh maybe you'll be hurt by this, and then just thought, oh this is a cool song. <laughs> she just reminded me of that yesterday. So I, yeah, I, I can see I can see where where you would have come from. <laughs> You use that as an inspiration to write a song, but then the song itself can change its meaning. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, for me, it's all about, I mean, this is a breakup song, but for me, it's all about melody anyway. And I just thought, this is a great melody and I want her to hear it. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> just, yeah, never thought about that. Yeah. You're going to have to think about it twice next time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I won't be playing it to her now. <laughs> can we talk about, um, just briefly, can we talk about You Know My Name? Because I know it, I know it's from a different era, but it did come out on the B side of Let It Be. So I, I, I just want to say, I love, I love this. I love the Beatles nonsense songs. I love when they're slack and playing around in the studio. And this was planned as a B side, um, Plastic Ono Band, uh, sorry, A side with Plastic Ono Band, um, as the artist with what's the new Mary Jane on the B side. And apparently the other Beatles vetoed this, but that would have been great. And that would have been a great Beatles single. Come on, you know, just totally slack and pushing the boat right out there. I wish they'd done it. <laughs> yeah. It's a good song. Um, you know, my name, look up the number. I, I always really enjoyed it for, for me. I don't know. It's, it's very kind of tied to that um, past masters album. You remember that? Yeah. Volume two. And, the, and, and the original Beatles rarities. I don't know if you ever had that with the, um, well, there are a couple of versions, but there was a purple cover in the UK. There was a slightly different international, well, very different international version. And it was on both of those. Yeah. Did Brian Jones play in that? Yes. He played saxophone, apparently. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and Paul's on record. He must have been stoned, I guess saying that it was his favorite Beatles song, which I don't think is true, but he, he apparently said it. And I just think it's fantastic. Welcome to Slaggers and all the silly voices 
Um, they're completely out there. They're so good at their voices, I don't even know who's doing them. I mean, presumably, John's doing most of them. Fantastic. And also, <laughs> they're like, you know my name? Yes. Who's the captain number? <laughs> yeah. It's just brilliant. And um, I, I think originally it might have been in mono or something, but uh, the, the anthology mix is definitely has parts in stereo anyway so um, mm -hmm. and yeah different as well to the one that got released yes yeah they added a bit on so they added a little scar bit on there uh yeah and, and, and apparently it's from june 67 so i mean can you imagine after sergeant pepper and after maybe i don't know uh, before or after all you need is love they're just sort of in there mucking around yeah yeah, it's, it's but um, that just having fun. The scabbit um, in the nineties when I first came across this song, it just sounded so current, you know. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. But and it, John wanted that edited out for some reason. I don't know why. And he got edited out. I mean, mm -hmm. he did. But um, but as you said, um, it's 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 a great song. It's a it's a shame that well, it could have made it right into the letter B, but it wasn't recorded in the letter B sessions. Was was it like a special session um, or? Um, yes, it must have been because it was it was an April '69 session, so that's right in between uh, let it be. I think the changes were put in there in April '69, so I guess they decided to resurrect it, but they weren't quite sure what to do with it. Okay, and the '67 version would have been perhaps. Was that like the the basic the basic tracks? I think the most basic tracks. Okay. Yeah. But yeah. It, but anyway, like be a one for a one for fans. Like we love that, and we wish there was more. Like, <laughs> uh, you know, there should have been a whole uh, a series of. I'm sure if John had had his way, there would have been more like that. Yeah, there are some good songs from from the singles from that period as well. Um, Old Brown Shoe, I guess, is another one that. Um, that is not one of the best-known songs, but I, I really like it. Is that just George and Ringo? I'm not sure. Is it? No, I can hear I'm not, you I, all in the back I'm, vocals for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah, because I, I know that, obviously, Ballad of John and Yoko is just John and Paul. And so I thought maybe this was a kind of riposte and it was only George and Ringo. But, yeah, maybe not. Yeah, because there is that bit... Um, if I grow up, I'll be a singer wearing rings on every finger. And you can yeah. hear Paul's voice um, he's singing the high harmony. Ah, okay. Yeah. Need to and go back and listen to that. As well. We're going to have to talk about the long and winding road. <laughs> yeah. It's long and winding. <laughs> I, I don't, don't really I, like I, this one. You don't? Why not? Well, I like Paul as a balladeer and I love, you know, Hey Jude. You know, I think that's where it started, him with the piano ballads. And, and you know, Let It Be is quite good. Uh, I think it works with all the gospel-y stuff. And things like Warm and Beautiful that came later. Man, I love McCartney piano ballads. But this one, I just, I just don't think the melody is strong enough. And the lyric is kind of, the lyric is kind of a bit sentimental which uh -huh. you know it doesn't matter if it's got one of those supreme McCartney melodies but this just doesn't so this is just like for me it's like any piano ballad by 
by anyone. I I know that you know a lot of Bezos fans won't agree with me there, but I just there's just something that doesn't work for me. I, 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 and and I think it was the last track on the the blue album, and it's definitely one I would skip. I I think it was across the universe, and then boom, I take it off, and I wouldn't play this one. Wow. Mm. I mean, it's okay. I can listen to it, but uh, you know, it's um, doesn't get me excited in any way. I think it's just substandard for Maka. He must have liked it at the time. I think he always liked that song because it's it's been featured everywhere. Um, from yep, okay, yep. I'm gonna play this version just for a laugh. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so now it's like... That's Broad Street, isn't it? That's the Broad Street, uh, yeah, yeah, it's the Broad Street version. Um, and I always liked it because it sounds so so 90s, you know? <laughs> yeah. That sax solo. It's like, um, hi, welcome to the hotline. Welcome to Slaggers. <laughs> welcome to Slaggers. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a song that he's always played live. He played it with Wings in 76, I think. Yes, that's right. Um, then he, he's played it, I think, on every tour. So he must like this song very much. I think he likes it, and, and I guess it was a, a completely written by him. So it's one that, you know, I think, because the ones he would, would take on tour with Wings were the real McCartney-McCartney songs, you know, Lady Madonna yesterday, rather than the Lennon-McCartney ones. It was interesting, they picked this one on the, the film yesterday. Have you seen that film? Yeah, I have. And, uh, you know, with Ed Sheeran and, uh, you know, there's a competition between them. And then he hears this song and he's like, oh, man, you won that. You just you just won that hands down. But I'm thinking, well, could you not have picked, I don't know, anything? You know, Lady Madonna or something. <laughs> Hello, goodbye. <laughs> yeah, any other song but this. You, you're right. I mean, it's, it's a song I kind of like because I'm used to it. Um, and I guess mm -hmm. it's one of those songs I think that I'm supposed to like, you know? Um, mm. So... I have to say that I much prefer any version without the the the, the um, Phil Spector touch. You know? So do you, do you like the version on Let It Be Naked? Is that your, I, is that I your like version of preference? That isn't the Phil Spector version. I think that okay. um, the orchestration he put on, on, on his version makes it sound very dated now. It's too much, yeah. Too much. And I, I think the first version I heard without the orchestration was the Anthology version from Anthology 3. Okay, uh, I go back and listen to that one. This is the one famously on um, "Let It Be Naked," where they had to repair John's bassline because mm -hmm. he was kind of so not into it that he just. Um, one writer said that he sabotaged it. Uh, you know that that basically, yeah, he just played. He's just playing any old, you know, I, shit. I don't think he would have done that. I really. Don't. No, it's just probably just a mistake. Anyway, they you know they took those couple of notes. I mean, it's not a bad bass line. Um, they took a couple of notes and just uh, made them into the correct notes using Pro Tools. So it's the same version as the anthology, but corrected, right? Oh, I don't know. Probably. I can't say for sure. Somebody in the comments will tell us. Yeah. Appear 
I like the way he sings. Disappear and yeah. uh, here. So you know that's it. But I, I, yeah, I, I don't like it. <laughs> yeah, you don't. It's not your favorite. But I, I much prefer this version than uh, to the one in the in the Let It Be. Yeah, it's more yeah, stronger. It's quite, you can, yeah, yeah it, it's got more feeling as well. You can hear the piano mm-hmm. more. Um, you don't need those backing singers in this song, but of course, yeah, it feels better yeah, with his touch. Yeah. What's next? Um, just before we finish with this song, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. a few years ago, my parents um, gave me the anthology book. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've ever seen. But yeah, the big hardback. Yeah, that one. Um, and it's got a letter that Paul sent to Phil Spector. I can't remember whether he sent this to Phil Spector or, or he sent to Alan Klein, complaining about the arrangements um, and his song. <laughs> Um, and he said, next time this happened, uh, sorry, and he wrote like kind of an ultimatum, like, right. like um, next time you should consult me first and don't ever do this again. <laughs> next time this happens, I'll come back to your house and break your windows. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah. But yeah, anyways, next song. What's left? Um, what, would, what do we have left? I think we haven't talked. This was one of the big ones we, ha- we, we didn't talk about in the last episode. Um, Maggie May. <laughs> <laughs> well. When I went to Liverpool for the first time, I went, uh, I went to Lime Street. Yeah. <laughs> Were you excited to be there? I was, yeah. I had a great time. I went with my yeah. friend Mark. Um, back yeah. in, when I, in 2003, 2004. Lime Street Station. Were you going to yeah. a conference? Were you just visiting Liverpool? I would, yeah, we were just visiting Liverpool. I was, with, we, I was in Edinburgh and mm-hmm. the train to Liverpool and, and we did all the Beatles stuff. We took the Magical Mystery Tour, went to Strawberry right. Fields, Penny Lane, the houses of each of the Beatles. So Then we went to see a Beatles cover band in the cavern. Um, oh, yeah. So it was the good. Cavern Club Beatles, if it was them, are amazing. Yeah. So any listeners, any listeners who go to Liverpool, um, there's a band called the Cavern Club Beatles, but they're not just a band; they're an institution. There's about ten of them, I think, or more. So they, you know, they circulate around. It's their full time job, you know, and um, it's it, they, they're just fantastic. And all the bassists are left-handed, and they all look a bit like the Beatles. So you've got to look a bit like them as well as be a decent musician. And they just put on such a show. And I've seen them twice, different incarnations of them, and they're just fantastic. And you'll have a great night if you go. Yeah. No, I had a brilliant time. Um, and I always wondered, because these guys were so musically talented, you know, the, these chorus mm-hmm. Why don't they do, or why don't they try to record their own albums? Or maybe they do, but um, but they don't go anywhere. Well, they're not necessarily writers. I mean, there's that there's that cover band, Rain, I would love to see. They've got a fantastic reputation. I mean, they're probably older than now than, say, John Lennon ever got to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think these cover bands are fantastic. And Cavern Club Beatles are definitely great and rain have got a great reputation if they're still going mm-hmm. mm. i mean they can obviously do harmonies and all that whether they are not they can write their own material i don't know yeah um when i went to liverpool i was impressed with how 
much Beatles stuff there is and how the Beatles have influenced the city. And so it was, it was, it was lovely. It was, I really had a really good time. Yeah, for sure. And another time we'll do an episode of, of this uh, Apple Jam of the, like we, we'll do the 12 records that sound most like the Beatles that aren't. Yeah, that's, that would be really Because <laughs> I got, I mean, I've just got so many of those. Yeah. Like um, the Quarter Moon by the VIPs. Oh, my God, it's so early Beatles. It's incredible. And, you know, we, the Lars and all those bands, you know, Beatles influence band. Yeah, Electric Light Orchestra, Mr. Blue Sky. Yeah, exactly. And the Lars are from Liverpool, so mm-hmm. I think of them as almost the, you know, the sons of the Beatles. Hmm. Are there any tracks that we haven't talked about? Yeah, I think we haven't talked about one after 909. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we left left the best for last. I'm scraping the bottom of the barrel here. Scrape, scrape, scrape. Did we talk about it back? I don't know. We can can talk about that in a minute. I think we did talk about that because I I, I mentioned the ACDC... link that I couldn't find um, yes. so one after 909 I would like to say um, from an English language teacher's point of view it's one of the first songs that I know that uh, has the I sound sounding like A so it's got move over once move over twice which is really like uh, the way that, that that particular phoneme went in the 70s and for the rest of the 70s unless you're in a pink uh, in, in a punk band, instead of singing night, you'd say night, night, that kind of thing. Um, so, yeah, that's one of the things I noticed from one of the Dino name. Yeah, it's very strange. During the Let It Be sessions, they were trying a bunch of songs that um, that, they, that they'd written when they were younger, mm-hmm. but that they yep. released because they never thought were good enough. Um, and, and this was one of them. So they re-recorded it and, 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 and released it in the album. Have you got the original version? Can you uh, can you give that a spin? Yeah, because yeah, I haven't heard that for years. Just one second. Yeah, there were two tracks. I think there was one with a false start. Um, and there you go. Here it is. It, it, cool. The, 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 the real one. Versus this one. That's kind of that's kind of very solid, isn't it? Sorry. And that's the Let It Be one. The one on um, the one on the Get Back, um, Glyn Johns um, uh, mix. That rocks. Like that's the first, the opening track, right? And and I just thought that's fantastic. That's the first time that song grabbed me. Have you got the Glenn Johns one there? Yes. Uh, 
Something I've just noticed is that he panned the voices, so you could hear John on one um, side and and Paul on the other. Side. I think that's one of the things that got me, and it's just like all the guitars are so loose and they're so rocking, and there's a lot of energy in that version. I I still don't like it, but it's okay. Like I could listen to that one, you know. <laughs> yeah, it's a good opener. It's a good opener. It reminds me of a kind of. Uh, second division version of Drive My Car. <laughs> yeah. And that, another thing that might be worth talking about, because I don't think we have um, any other songs to, to cover. Perhaps mm-hmm. I'm Mine. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Um, I Me Mine, perhaps, is the only song we haven't talked about. I'm not sure. Oh. So, something yes. I wanted to talk about is the running order of the songs, because each of the versions of this album has a different running order. Yeah, I never thought about that. Now, the Glyn Jones one seems rushed, uh, sort of rushed together because there's the two ballads at the end, right? So it's got Let It Be uh, and uh, Long and Winding Road at the end. There doesn't seem to be any logic to that running order, but, you know, it is what it is, as they say. And I think the the running order of the Phil Spector album is is great, you know. That's pretty good. But... Let It Be Naked's probably the best one, right? Starts off with Get Back, why not? Then that's an opening track. I think I, I agree with you. Um, and I, the first time I bought the album and I just put it on, it was so punchy that uh, that it, it would really grab your attention. I thought it was the best opener um, of them all. And I also liked the track list as well best because it included Don't Let Be Down. and Yeah. It didn't have some of the banter before some of the songs, like, like the banter before Two of Us and stuff. So it just sounds But is it funny. true that it's been is it true that it's been brick walled? You know, like uh, you know what I mean, like it's been overly compressed and it's too loud and um I mean I don't think my ears are really sensitive for that kind of thing, but it did come out round about you know, the it came out two thousand three, I think. But round about the millennium everything was getting brick walled. I don't know if that's true for Let It Be Naked. Um it does sound louder perhaps than than other albums or, or the mm. version of Let It Be for sure. Um, and that's right. one of the reasons why I liked it, because it just sounded mm-hmm. punchier. Um, yeah. So, but maybe I'm my ears aren't just like you; they're not trained enough to, so I can tell. Really. I mean, I can spot when an album's really like that. Cause it's kind of quite hard to listen to, and you have to put it off. And a lot of those, uh, around about the millennium, you know, you get a lot of stuff that's just uh, overly compressed, and you don't get the sort of the dynamics of the sound. Mm-hmm. So maybe Let It Be Naked is one that they could kind of re-release. Let It Be is just like um, that writer said in Mojo. It's just like a puzzle that will never be solved. It's like there is no final version. There can't be a final version. Um, yes, and, and people have so many different opinions as well. Like I asked on Facebook in a few groups uh, what people's favorite version of the album was. Mm-hmm. They like the Phil Spector version or, or Get Back which is the Glyn Johns version or, or, or Naked. And most people replied, let it be naked. But I don't know if it's because those are the people who would reply to that kind of post, you know? Um, because Maybe. Because it's not the most popular choice, so so that's why they go on and, and write online. But then on, on a few other podcasts I've listened to, people just disregard that album as, as, as garbage, as something that should have never been released. So I don't know. It really depends on... No, it's, def- it's definitely not garbage, but maybe it needs a... Um, anything that anything that got um, that kind of compression definitely needs looking at again. Like I think the Beatles one album suffered from that and um, has been improved 
I hope, in later versions. Yeah. I don't know if it's also because some people see that Paul's kind of vanity project. Because he was so... He's, he disliked mm-hmm. the, the Phil Spector version so much that he wanted to release a version that he liked. You know? Yeah, that's okay, though. You know, because he's Paul, so... And he, songs. He, he can do that. It's okay. And the songs are worth, you know, rescuing. Yeah, for sure. And now everybody's got two versions, and that's I guess that's the only Beatles album where you can really have uh, two completely different versions. Well, now that Charles Martin's come along, there are a few like that. They're not as radically different, but, you know, they are different. Yeah. Um, um, let's do I'm, um, I Mean Mine. Yep. Uh, now, I think this is fantastic. I love this, and it's too short, and I know they had to double up the chorus, but I just think I wish they'd sort of made it longer because it's great. Yeah, I, I tend to find that I tend to like waltzes, like pop waltzes. Uh-huh. And 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 especially the ones that the Beatles do, like um was it Babies in Black? I think that's also a waltz. Um, yes. And so I, I really like them. And and this is no, no exception. I it's really funny because it, it I don't know if they're trying to go for a Spanish feel at some point. It's definitely got a, a sort of folky um I heard an instrumental version. I think that was on the I think it was on the Let It Be the New box set. Mm-hmm. Um, um, or it could have been the anthology. I think no, it's a new box set and an, an instrumental version of this, and it's great. It sounds like a sounds really folky. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I really like George's vocal as well. He he sings a little bit higher than usual, and and so so yeah, it's it's, it's certainly not a skipper for me. It's got great. It's got great riffs, acoustic riffs, electric riff. Um, it's kind of in his preachy style, you know, of, of you know those that sequence of George songs. Was he ri- was he writing about Apple? Was he writing about their arguments? I have no idea, actually. Um, I it's one of those songs that I don't listen to enough to kind of have analyzed the lyric, um, and not until recently, at least. I mean, it's all about you know the ego problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, so I, I got a feeling it might be one of those ones. Like, what was the other? What was the one on "All Things Must Pass" um, that he wrote after? He kind of wrote it after the day he stormed out of the Beatles. I don't know which one was it. I can't remember. Um, it'll come back to me. I know that he wrote a few of those kind of angry songs, like "Only" or "Northern Songs." Is that the name of the of the single? It's only oh, that's, a fan, that's a fantastic song. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I like it too very much. Um, brilliant lyric. But it's cert- he's certainly having a go at John and Paul. I think it's Run of the Mill. Is it Run that's of the, the Mill? That's the one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think Run of the Mill is uh, about the arguments at Apple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was the last song that they ever recorded. Of course. And, and it's interesting that the three tools as they came to be called, went from this on the 3rd of January 1970 to Free as a Bird. To Free as a Bird, that's right. Yeah. There yeah. are, I've been, well, we, we're running out of time. Uh, probably we'll talk about this at some other point. Yeah. Um, I've, just now that you mentioned the Threetles, um, I've been listening to kind of podcasts and reading things, and, and it's very interesting how it looks like John Lennon wanted to reunite the Beatles. Um, shortly before he died. 
apparently, when they were working on kind of a version of the anthology. Um, he, he was thinking. Oh, I, I wish that he had, because, well, A, he might have been in a different place and not in New York on that day. He was planning a trip to, to England, yeah, for the following year. I mean, that, yeah, I mean, that would have been superb. And I just, and this is controversial, uh, I know among fans, but I just think that last material that he was doing, which came out on uh, Double Fantasy and Milk and Honey, I just think those are fantastic songs. They're my favourite of of his solo songs for sure even well apart from mother and a few standout songs i think they're fantastic albums they're great albums i love them yeah yeah and the lyrics are so good as well great lyrics really personal uh better melodies than he'd written since abbey road right better melodies apart from say mother accepted number nine dream i mean these are just superb so we could sometime we'll make an episode about the 1980-81 Beatles album that which, which might have been. <laughs> yeah, we should. But but yeah, you're not wrong. I don't I don't think you said anything controversial there. Um, I think those two albums are are great. I mean, the brilliant songs. Are... A lot of people find them a bit sentimental, but do they? You know, there you are. Or or kind of um, what do you call it? Self indulgent because he's writing about his family. Yeah. So what? By the way, if you like it, if you like John in that era. Um, you have to look for the YouTube guy who does the John Lennon impersonation because he does uh, John Lennon in New York circa 1980 kind of telling you how to make a cup of tea and everything and he's really good he, yeah. he's got the voice just it's perfect yeah, I don't think I've seen that I'm going to check it out I'll send you a link. He's a, he's a Liverpool comedian. I'll, I'll send you a link. It was really nice to it was really nice to talk about Let It Be. I can't believe we stretched it over two episodes, um, but there you are. <laughs> yeah, we matched. <laughs> yeah, people. Anyone is welcome to fill in um, the comments about uh, things that that need filling in. And thank you to. Um, anyone who's downloading this and we know we know that we have quite a few hundred listeners now and that's absolutely you know fantastic and we're, we're really thrilled about that next episode won't be in a fortnight's time because i'm traveling so it's unlikely to be in two weeks time possibly in three weeks time but we'll we'll definitely get in an episode before christmas mm-hmm. we could even do one about the um we could do a sort of Christmas-ish uh, one about the Beatles records that we associate with Christmas, Free as a Bird and others. We That's could do a short episode on, on, the, on the Beatles Christmas albums as well. Yeah, and we can include Wonderful Christmas Time and um, Merry Christmas, War is Over, Happy Christmas, War is Over. Yeah, mm-hmm. And the Christmas song, which I think Paul released kind of late to that. Yeah, and Rudolph the Red Most Reggae. <laughs> because that's that's a major one yeah um great so it was lovely talking to you neil um lovely to talk to you as well and i'll see you again soon yeah bye take care bye for now